Again, please, Matthew chapter 1. And again, that was great. That was great, folks. Thank you all so much. Wonderful. And he is worthy. Amen? He is worthy. I appreciate the great songs that have been presented today. And that was really great. Y'all did a wonderful, wonderful job on that. We thank, thank the Lord for that. And uh, a lot of, lot, of, lot of new things. A lot of new things going on here. And so this is the, the first, I guess this is the first time in um, ever since Zach left us that I, I haven't had one thing to do with any of the slides today. And uh, uh, when Zach left and went to California, well, that was a huge learning curve. He was doing all of our computer stuff and producing all of our slides and our radio broadcast and things like that. When he left, I had to sort of learn how to do all that stuff. And so I've been producing all the slides and things like that for the services. And uh, today, this week, Evan and Cassidy took care of all of that. I didn't do any of the slides today. And so I felt sort of like I was lazy or something today. But anyway, um, no, I'm picking, but they did a great job. And, and uh, we appreciate that and their learning. And, and so you pray for them, if you will. And uh, it's, good to see, it's good to see so many of our young people that are jumping in there and getting the job done. Amen? And serving the Lord and uh, in his church. And they really are. They really are our future generation at Calvary Baptist Church. It's really, really sad that a lot of churches today are dying by attrition. Uh, and as the older folks, and we love, we love, love, love our older folks here at Calvary. I'm beginning to be one of them. Amen? We really love our older folks. We really do. Uh, but, you know, it's really sad. And a lot of churches, as, as the older folks die off, the church dies. And churches are literally closing their doors today. And I'm so thankful. It's good to see some young people rising up and singing and preaching and ministering and serving in the different ministries here at Calvary Baptist Church. And boy, I tell you what, that really, that really encourages a pastor's heart. It really does. And so we thank the Lord for that. I want to talk to you about this subject today, Concepts from the Christmas Story. And uh, so we're going to be Matthew chapter 1 when you find your place. If you'll stand this morning, if you're able, that is, out of respect for the reading of God's Word, Matthew chapter 1. And uh, I know the screen says 18 through 25, and we are going to read those verses. But just to give you some context, because we're all going to be drawing from more than those verses today, I want to actually start in verse 1. And we're going to read just a few of the verses as we begin the chapter, and then we'll skip down to verse 18, and we'll read down through verse number 25. And so, um, again, we have already read this, and, and just personally, my own, my own devotions, I've been reading Matthew chapter 1 a lot. It's definitely one of my favorite uh, passages when we begin to study the Christmas story. And we're really going to focus a lot on Christmas tonight, a lot of Christmas songs tonight. And so I hope that you'll be back for the service. But I want us to look at Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 1. The Bible says, The book of the generation of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. And Judas begat Pharaoh of Zan uh, and Zerah of Tamar, and Pharaoh begat Ezram, and Ezram begat Aram. And Aram begat Amenadab, and Amenadab begat Naasson, and Naasson begat Salmon, and Salmon begat Boaz of Rechab, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth, and Obed begat Jesse, and Jesse begat David the king, and David the king begat Solomon of her that had been the wife of Urias. And then that carries on all the way down through verse number 17. And there may be a few that say, you know, Pastor, what good is that? 
And why would we even take the time to read that? And I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you that in just a moment because there's really, there's really a great truth that we just read in those, just even in those few verses that we read this morning. But for a second time, let's skip down to verse 18 and we'll read down through verse 25. And the Bible says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privately. But while they thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. And then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not, till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. And you may be seated this morning, and, uh, and I want to talk to you about that subject, concepts, concepts from the Christmas story. Now, once again, as often is the case here, my message is not going to be homiletically correct, okay? You're never supposed to make your first point your longest point, all right? But that is my longest point. And so once we get past the first point, we're home free. So don't get worried, all right? But I wanna, I wanna give you a few things that I believe are gonna be, I believe they're gonna be helpful to you and I believe this will make sense. And, and uh, oh, listen, we need something from God's word today. That's without a doubt. But how many know this? The enemy, the enemy doesn't want you to get anything. And Satan's gonna fight. The devil's gonna fight. The last thing he wants, he, he doesn't want preaching to hit its mark today. He doesn't want you to hear the word of God. Um, and so let's pray that that God would work and accomplish his perfect will. Let's join together in prayer right now. Father, we love you, and thank you so much for the privilege of being here, in here today, and it's been a good morning. And we just thank you for giving us this beautiful campus to worship, and uh, Lord, how good, how good you've been to us, my soul. Lord, you've blessed us, and then you've turned around and you've blessed us again. And Heavenly Father, you've blessed us beyond measure and we just thank you for being such a good God. Oh, Lord, if we got what we deserved, oh, my. Lord, we would be in a terrible, terrible place today called hell. And so, Lord, thank you for being such a wonderful God. And, and we thank you for your love and kindness and your generosity and your goodness to us. And, God, thank you. We know today the joy of the Lord is our strength. And, Father, we're joyful. We're, 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 we're full of joy for being here today. Thank you for the good music and the singing and the great song that the group just gave us. And now, Lord, I pray our hearts have been prepared for the word. I pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, touch us spiritually, physically, emotionally, and yes, even mentally. And God, help our minds to be ready to receive what you have for us today. Lord, we love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, we pray. And for his sake and all God's people said, amen. amen. Well, the Christmas story is a story that is uh, so beautiful in so many ways. It really is unfortunate that a lot of times we sort of wait till this time of year to start studying the Christmas story. I'm going to be honest with you. Some of the Christmas songs we sing, really, we could sing them all year long, and there would be nothing wrong with that. 
Typically, we sing Joy to the World just one time a year. But really, that song, we, we could sing that song all the time because he really is the joy to the world. Amen? Uh, and the Christmas story is like that. It's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful story, a beautiful story, as we've already said. But there's a danger. There's a danger uh, with the Christmas story. And the danger is this. A lot of times when we're reading it, we're tempted to sort of, to sort of stay in the shallow water. That's the way I would put it. And by that I mean this. We, 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 sitter, we consider the, the surface truths associated with this story, those parts that, you know, the world sort of commercializes certain parts of the Christmas story. Uh, there are certain parts of the Christmas story the world loves, and they, they embrace that. There are certain parts of the Christmas story they don't love, and they definitely don't embrace. Uh, for instance, the world loves to commercialize on the manger, and they'll, uh, they, they don't mind even, you know, putting pictures out there about the manger and the Christ child in the manger or the angels or the shepherds or the wise men. And there's definitely nothing wrong with that. But this is my point this morning. When you take the, the Christmas story and you begin to really read it, and you begin to really study the Christmas story, you know what you'll find? You'll find, my dear friend, that, uh, that it is rich with doctrine. I mean, it's got some great, great doctrinal concepts in it, within it. And so because of that, that's what I want to do today. I want to share with you three transformational, I really believe they are, three transformational concepts that we see in the Christmas story. Very simple message today, just three points I'll give you. Number one, first of all, we see the concept of mercy. The concept of mercy. Did you know that mercy is literally interwoven all throughout the Christmas story? Not just the manger, not just the angels, not just Joseph and Mary, but we see it literally throughout the entire story. Now you say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Well, a couple of things I jotted down here. Number one, we see divine mercy, divine mercy. Did you know the genealogy of Christ is a record of incredible divine mercy? Now you say, uh, Pastor, you talking about those first five or six verses that we read today? Absolutely. You say, Preacher, I didn't see any mercy there. I didn't even understand what we're reading. Uh, but the truth of the matter is, it is, a, it is a record of absolutely amazing mercy. Now let me explain what I'm talking about. Did you notice there in those first few verses that we read today that the Holy Spirit who inspired the Word of God, the Holy Spirit did not just mention the good people in the family tree of Christ. But we notice here that the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit mentions every single person in that line, even those who had a past. Uh, now, when I say past, I'm talking about people that messed up. I'm talking about people who messed up pretty bad. And yet God saw fit to place those people in the genealogy of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, here's, here's the truth. The Lord Jesus, the Spirit of God, could have excluded them because of the mistakes that they had made. He could have excluded them. He could have wiped them out of the genealogy because they had messed up. By the way, something we probably would have done. If you're here this morning and you've got a black sheep in your family, somebody that always causes trouble, someone that has always caused trouble in the past, you know what? When you're talking about family times and family reunions, how many know this? Sometimes you just leave those people out. I mean, you don't even bring them up. 
Because when you bring them up, it just causes animosity and hard feelings. And when you mention their name, people are saying, oh yeah, you're talking about troublemaker. You're talking about the one that always causes issues. And, and so sometimes you just sort of leave them out. You understand that God could have done that? When God gave us this genealogy, God could have left these people out. God could have excluded them for their mistakes that they had made, for their mess ups that they had made. Uh, and yet we find here that the Lord Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God, who inspired the Word of God in His great mercy, made mention of these people. Now, you say, Pastor, again, I'm not following you. Well, let me show you what I'm talking about. Look at Matthew chapter 1, and look, if you will, at verse number 2. And so here's the genealogy of Jesus Christ, and look who the Holy Spirit mentions. Verse 2, the Bible says, Abraham begat Isaac, and Isaac begat Jacob, and Jacob begat Judas and his brethren. Now, that automatically already tells us some things, that these individuals that we just read about are very flawed individuals. I'm talking about Abraham, even though Abraham was a great man, and he was. The Bible refers to Abraham as a friend of God, and yet, we know the story, don't we? The Bible says that Abraham doubted, he and Sarah doubted God, and Abraham, you know, God promises to give Abraham a son, uh, even in their old age, and yet we know that Abraham and Sarai lacked faith, and he ended up going into that Egyptian handmaid. Then Ishmael was brought into the picture, and uh, there, there's an affair that takes place, and it's just a it's, a, it's a messed up story, and yet God, in his mercy, makes mention of Abraham. And then Isaac. Well, Isaac definitely did not have a crystal clear testimony. If you go back and read about Isaac, you'll find out that Isaac messed up. Isaac made some mistakes. And then the Bible mentions Jacob. Did you know the very word Jacob, the very name Jacob means supplanter? Supplanter. Now, that may not mean anything to you, but that word supplanter means to supersede by treachery. You know what, you know what Jacob was? Jacob was a deceiver. Remember the story where he stole the birthright from his brother Esau? And he sort of did that in an underhanded way. And then later, he tricked his dad into giving him the blessing that should have went to Esau. And so Judas, uh, or Jacob rather, Jacob was a deceiver. Judas, the Bible mentions Judas there in Matthew 1 and verse 2. Judas was caught up in immoral behavior, but it doesn't stop there. Look at verse 3. The Bible says, and Judas begat Perez. Look at this. And Zerah of Tamar. Who was Tamar? Well, go back and read your Old Testament. You'll find out that Tamar's husband dies. She puts on the attire of a harlot. And it's a sad, sad story. And ends up committing adultery with her very own father-in-law. I mean, it's a, it's a sad, sad recollection. Look at verse 5. The Bible says, And Salmon begot Boaz of Rechab. Rahab. Who was Rahab? Well, that's a Greek rendering of the word or the name Rahab. Anybody remember the name Rahab? Uh, remember when the spies went into Jericho and there was a woman there that hid them? Her name was Rahab. Do you remember what Rahab's uh, profession was? She didn't work for the Salvation Army. She was a prostitute, folks. She was a harlot. She was a prostitute. Now, God changed her. God changed her life. 
But she was a prostitute. The Bible says in Salmon begot Boaz of Rahab, and Boaz begat Obed of Ruth. Who was Ruth? Ruth was a, was a Gentile bride from a, a pagan land. Look at verse six. And Jesse begat David the king. Well, we all remember that story, don't we? In 2 Samuel chapter 11, where the Bible says that David went up on the roof of the king's palace, and he looked out, and he saw a woman washing herself, Bathsheba by name, and he lusted after Bathsheba. And you know the terrible, terrible story. David ended up having a an affair with Bathsheba. A child was birthed. Uh, her husband was killed. Uh, and, uh, and yet the Bible mentions King David and then Solomon. And David, uh, the king, begat Solomon. I've heard that had been the wife of Urias. We also know that Solomon marries many wives and his heart is turned away from the Lord. Look at verse seven. And Solomon begat Reboam and Reboam begat Abiah and Abiah begat Asa, Reboam, Rehoboam. Uh, who is Rehoboam? Y'all remember Rehoboam? Rehoboam gets lifted up in pride and he splits the kingdom of Israel. And 10 of the tribes of Israel run away from Rehoboam and he's left with just two. Look at Matthew chapter one, verse eight. He goes on and on. The Bible says, and Asa begat Josaphat. And Josaphat begat Joram. And Joram begat Ozias, and Ozias begat Joatham, and Joatham begat Achaz, and Achaz begat Ezekias, and Ezekias begat, notice here, Manassas, and Manassas begat Ammon, and Ammon begat Josias, and Josias begat Jeconias, and his brethren. Did you know that we just read some of the most wicked kings in all of Judah? You know that Manassas was one of the worst kings that Judah ever had? You, you, you understand that Ammon, the Bible says that Ammon was so depraved that he didn't reign but two years and they killed him. I mean, that's how bad he was. Jeconias was so bad, the Bible says that God placed a curse on Jeconias and those sons after him. And so you understand that, boy, in this genealogy of Christ, we find some messed up people. We find some folks here that have quite the past. They have skeletons in the closet. These are not perfect people. And yet God in his mercy saw fit to mention these people in the genealogy of Christ. Now, pastor, where are you going with this? Think about it, church. God could have wrote these people off, even the very mentioning of their name. And yet in mercy, he mentions them. Not only in a genealogy, folks, but the very genealogy of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now that leads me to say this. How many times could he have given up on me? How many times could he have wrote me off? How many times have I messed up? How many times have I broken his heart? How many times have I disobeyed him and disappointed him? How many times has he told me to do something? I didn't do it and I rebelled against the will of God. How many times God could have given up on this old boy right here and God could have just wiped me off the scene. God could have excluded me. But oh, I wanna tell you, thank God for mercy today, amen. Thank God that we serve a merciful God, a loving God, a gracious God, a long-suffering God. In fact, he's 
so merciful. The prophet Jeremiah said it like this. It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. And then he said, great is thy faithfulness. Titus, uh, Paul's letter to Titus says it like this. Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Now church, if you don't get anything else in this message, I want you to understand something, that you serve a merciful God. Oh, listen, if we got what we deserve, we'd be in hell today. If we got what we deserved, I'm telling you what, we'd be under the judgment of Almighty God. But thank God, He's a merciful God. He's a loving God. He's a patient God. He's a long-suffering God. And we're thankful for His wonderful, wonderful mercy. I read this week a story about, uh, uh, about Napoleon. I guess there's maybe there's some kind of a, Hollywood's putting out some kind of a movie right now about Napoleon. And I was reading a story this week about a lady that went to see the emperor Napoleon and she was begging for mercy for her son. And, uh, and uh, the emperor, uh, Napoleon, uh, told this lady, ma'am, your son has been caught in this offense twice uh, and justice demands death. That's what he told this mother. Justice demands death. The mother said to Napoleon, I don't ask for justice. I just plead for mercy. And Napoleon said, your son doesn't deserve mercy. Oh, I love this. And the mother said, it would not be mercy if he deserved it. Come on now. It would not be mercy if he deserved it, but that's what I'm begging for. And by the way, you know the story tells us that Emperor Napoleon granted that young man mercy. Oh man, thank God. One of the things we see in the Christmas story is divine, divine mercy. But there's something else. We not only see divine mercy here, we see demonstrated mercy. Demonstrated, what are you talking about? Look in your Bibles again, Matthew chapter one. Look at verse number 18. Oh, this is good right here. The Bible says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, watch closely, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, notice the next line, before they came together, before they had physical relationship, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Look at verse 19. Then Joseph, her husband being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. Now, what's going on? The Bible says Mary winds up pregnant. Joseph and Mary are just espoused. Now, in, now, under Hebrew culture, that was as strong as marriage, but they had not yet consummated the relationship. They had not yet physically come together, and all of a sudden, Mary, uh, Mary's got a little, Mary's got a little bump going on. Mary's been found pregnant. And Joseph, you know what Joseph believes? Joseph believes that Mary's been unfaithful. He believes that she's been with another man. He believes that, that Mary has cheated on him. And so the Bible says that Joseph is going to divorce her, but I love this. Although Joseph felt cheated and was planning to divorce Mary, the Bible says he was gonna put her away privately. He was gonna do it silently, why? Because he did not want this woman whom he cared about, he did not want her hurt. Mercy, 
demonstrated mercy. Hey, when he could have offered judgment, do you know under Mosaic law, Mary could have been stoned? That's right. When it was found out she was pregnant, when it was found out what looked like at least she had been unfaithful to Joseph, do you know under the Mosaic law, they could have taken up stones and stoned her to death? And yet the Bible says that Joseph was gonna put her away privately. He didn't want her hurt, didn't want her stoned, didn't want her embarrassed. When he could have offered judgment instead, he extended mercy. Hey, Calvary Baptist Church, aren't you glad when God could have offered judgment? Instead, he extended mercy. Amen. Amen. Mercy, a merciful God. We, we have some history buffs out there today. And, and uh, I love to study. I love to study World War II. But I love, I love to study the Civil War as well. And there's an interesting story that said that this was after the Civil War, right, I mean, literally right after the Civil War had ended, General Robert E. Lee had offered his surrender. And right after that surrender was tendered, they said that President Abraham Lincoln was standing on the balcony in the White House and he was making a speech to a large crowd that had assembled. And at the end of that powerful speech, one of the senators stood up and said this, what shall we do with the rebels? What shall we do with the rebels? And they said that crowd began to, began to holler out, hang them, hang them. What shall we do with the rebels? Hang them, let's hang them. And I love this little story. Abraham Lincoln had a son, his name was Tad. Tad was 11 years old at the time. He was standing by the side of his president dad on that balcony. And when that crowd began to jeer, began to cheer, hang him, hang him, little Tad reached up and grabbed and pulled on the pant leg of his president daddy. And this is what he said, no, no, Papa. No, no, Papa, 11 years old. Not hang them, hang on to them. Not hang them, hang on to them. And President Abraham Lincoln said it was like a light cut on. And he said, that's the answer right there. That's what we need. When the world is demanding judgment, thank God somebody offered mercy. Amen. Read this little story in a small cemetery of a parish churchyard in Olney, England, stands a granite tombstone with this inscription, John Newton. Once an infidel and libertine, a servant of slavers in Africa, was by the rich mercy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ preserved, restored, pardoned, and appointed to preach the faith he had long labored to destroy. Hey, Calvary, how many thankful for mercy today? Amen. Yes, sir. And we read this Christmas story, man, it just drips with mercy, the mercy of God. I mean, when God could have just wrote all these people off and when Joseph could have just wrote Mary off, boy, thank God, all throughout this story, we see the mercy of God, the mercy of God. By the way, can I ask you this, this question? Who is it that needs mercy from you today? Who is it that deserves judgment? Who is it that deserves punishment? And yet today, you might say, you know what? I'm gonna extend mercy because God extended mercy to me. When the enemy comes, he says, hang them. Man, just hang them. Maybe today we ought to have some people say, no, let's don't hang them. Let's hang on to them. Right. 
Man, let's show them, let's show them some mercy. And so, number one, we see the concept of mercy. Number two, quickly, that was my longest point. Number two, we see the concept of miracles, don't we? The concept of miracles. Look at Matthew chapter one, verse 18. The Bible says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother Mary was a spouse to Joseph, notice this, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. One scholar said it like this. The words of Jesus Christ are in an emphatic position in the great text, implying that the circumstances of Jesus' birth differed from those of everyone else in the genealogy. And isn't it great? The Bible usually offers us a contrast, and so such is the case in Matthew chapter 1. The Bible shows us many, many births that took place in Matthew chapter 1. And yet we find here that the birth of Jesus Christ was far different than these. And the reason his birth was different is because Jesus was not just born. And Jesus was not just birthed. But Jesus was the virgin born son of the living God. And so he's miraculous in nature. Now, I just said that to say this. And I'm going to go to the last point. You know what? I don't know who's here today who needs a miracle. But God's still in the miracle working business. Now, you don't hear Baptist people say that very much. But this is one Baptist going to keep on preaching that. Because my God is a great God. My God is able. My God is the great physician. You say, Pastor, I've got cancer. Uh, any advice? Yes, God is able. If it's God's will, God can heal your cancer. God can help your life. God can put your marriage back together. God can put your family back together. I'm telling you, God can take your problems and God can, can, can take what is bad and it can turn it around for good. And I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning and I don't know who needs this message today, but I just came here to tell you, you may be here on your last spiritual leg and you say, preacher, I don't feel like I can make it another day. And I just want to say, hang in there, friend, because we serve a miracle working God. And he is able. He is able. And we see that. Man, as we read this Christmas story, man, it's just, it's just, it's all there. We see the concept of mercy. We see the concept of miracles. We're done. Number three. We see the concept of messages. Now, I don't know if that's the right word to use there, but I think you'll understand what I'm talking about in just a moment. Look, if you will, at Matthew chapter 1 and verse number 18. And as I was reading this, this seemed to be what the Holy Spirit spoke to me about. Matthew 1 verse 18 says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise, when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found a child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make her a public example, notice, was minded to put her away, that's Bible terms for divorce, was minded to put her away privately. Joseph believes Mary's been unfaithful. But church, would you look at verse number 20? The Bible says in verse 20, but while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And I read that the other day, and I thought, you know what, God, God doesn't just give mercy. And we notice here that God doesn't just perform miracles. 
But I noticed this church that just when Joseph needed a word, God sent a message. Did y'all notice that? Boy, Joseph's in a bad way. Joseph's confused. I mean, he doesn't understand this. His heart's broken. He feels like Mary's been unfaithful to him. I'm sure that his dreams have come crashing down. And and boy, Joseph needs some confirmation here. Joseph is in need of some encouragement. Joseph needs a word of direction. And sure enough, just when Joseph needs it, you know what happened? God sends it. God sends it. And you know what? The Lord's faithful to do that in our life as well, isn't he? Just when you need a word, just when you need confirmation, just when you need some encouragement, God will send a message. And by the way, church, he does it a lot of ways, doesn't he? He'll do it through this book right here. Boy, you're in a, you're in a, a low place, you're in a dark place, and, and you're thinking, Lord, I'm so confused, I don't know what to do, and all of a sudden you crack this book open, you begin to read this book, and all of a sudden, you know what God does? God sends a message. And God says, take heart. God says, keep going. God says, be encouraged. God says, everything's all right. God says, I'm your rock. Everything's gonna be okay. And God gives you a word. God gives you a message through his word. Or sometimes it might be a song. Man, you come into service like this and maybe you're feeling a little blue or maybe you're feeling a little down or maybe you've been through some kind of a struggle that week and all of a sudden the choir gets up here and they begin to sing. Or maybe a special group gets up here like they did just a moment ago and they begin to sing. And while that group is singing, the Lord is speaking to your heart. And then you get that message that you needed. It could be through the preacher. It could be through a preacher. It could be through a Christian brother or a sister. And here's my message. Don't get discouraged while you wait for your message. Some of you need a message today. Some of you this morning need confirmation. Some of you here this morning need encouragement. Hey, here's my, here's my admonition to you today. Hang in there and wait. Wait for God to give you your message. Philip Brooks, I made a quote from Philip, uh, Philip Brooks in our Sunday school class this morning. And Philip Brooks was a famous, uh, a famous New England preacher many, 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 many years ago. And they said that normally Philip Brooks was a poised man, a man of quiet manner. But one day a friend came upon Philip Brooks and he was pacing back and forth feverishly, uh, pacing back and forth. And they said to Philip Brooks, the preacher, they said, what's the trouble, Mr. Brooks? And Philip Brooks said this, the trouble is that I'm in a hurry, but God isn't. The trouble is I'm in a hurry, but God isn't. You say, preacher, I'm waiting on my message. Keep waiting. What should I do? Keep doing what you're doing until your message comes. Stay faithful. Stay in church. Keep reading your Bible. Keep spending time in prayer. Keep winning souls to Jesus. Keep, keep, keep loving people. Keep a sweet spirit. You say, but preacher, my message hasn't come. Keep on, keep it on. Just keep doing what you're doing. Be patient, be patient, be patient while you wait for God to give you your message. Somebody said the American prayer usually goes like this. Lord, give me patience. And I want it right now. A lot of truth to that, isn't it? I just, I read this little story this week and I thought I'd share it with you and we're done. 
It said something like this. Once there was a man who dared God to speak. He said this to the Lord. He said, Lord, burn the bush like you did for Moses. Burn the bush like you did for Moses, and I'll follow. Collapse the walls like you did for Joshua, God, and I'll fight. Still the waves like you did on Galilee, God, and I'll listen. And so the man sat by a bush and near a wall, close to the sea, and waited for God to speak. And God heard the man, and so he answered. He sent fire, not for a bush, but for a church. He brought down a wall, not of a brick, but of sin. He stilled the storm, not of the sea, but of a soul. And God waited for the man to respond. God waited, and God waited, and God waited. And because the man was looking at bushes, not hearts, looking at bricks, not lives, looking at seas, and not souls, he decided that God had done nothing. Finally, he looked to God and said, have you lost your power? And God looked at the man and said, have you lost your hearing? God's working. There's some of you here this morning, you need a message. Be patient, be patient, be patient. Just as sure as I'm preaching here this morning, somebody's going through something you've never been through before. Somebody's going through a valley. Somebody's going through a storm. Somebody's experiencing something you've never experienced. And you say, preacher, we're so confused and don't know what to think and don't know what to feel. Hey, listen, you pray. And once you've prayed, you believe God's heard you. And then you wait. You wait for God to send the message. And he will. Boy, how many are glad we serve a God of mercy? Boy, thank God I didn't get what I deserved. Amen. And I'm glad I serve a God of miracles. And I'm glad I serve a God that just when I need it, he'll give me the message that I need. I want to ask you to do me a favor. Would you bow your heads with us this morning? Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Father, I thank you for this time we've had together today. God, you know my heart. I want to do, I want to do well. I, I want to preach the best I've ever preached every time, but that's not always the case. But God, here's the thing. This is not dependent upon a man. It's dependent upon you. And so Holy Spirit, I pray that you'll bring the increase from what's been given today. And God, I pray that you would work in somebody's life I pray that something was said or done today, something was sung, something was preached, something was spoken that was exactly what they needed. And God, I pray that you'll encourage today. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I just want to ask a question, really two. I wonder how many are here in this place this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed, and you'd say, Pastor, If I died today, I know beyond a shadow of any doubt, I know that I know that I have been born again. I know that I am saved and on my way to heaven when I die. Without anybody looking around just for a moment, 
How many would just very quietly, you'd slip up your hand this morning and you'd say, Pastor, that's me. I know that I have been born again. Here's my hand as a testimony. Bless your heart. Thank you. You can lower your hands. Is there somebody else here this morning, though, who would say, Preacher, I could not raise my hand. And Pastor, I'm going to be honest. I'm just going to be honest as I know to be. If I died today, I'm not 100% sure that I would go to heaven. Pastor, I want to go to heaven. I do want to go to heaven. I'm just not sure I would. And I want you to pray for me. And with heads bowed and eyes closed and nobody looking just for a moment. How many are in that category? And right now, you just slip your hand up and you'd say, Pastor, remember me. If I died, I'm not sure of heaven. Would you please remember me? Would you pray for me when you pray? And right now, you'd slip your hand up and let me pray for you. I see that hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you. Who else? Who else? I see that hand. And I see a hand right there. Who else? Thank you. Well, I appreciate your honesty. Thank you. I see some hands right there. Thank you. Some little hands. Thank you. Anybody else? Boy, Calvary, it's time to pray. It's time to pray. Before I say this prayer, anybody else want to get in on this? Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure of heaven. Would you remember me? I see a hand right there. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate your honesty. Thank you. Anybody else? You can lower your hands. I'm going to ask our personal workers very, very quietly, if they would, to slip out. And we've got one or two personal workers away today. So, personal workers, y'all make sure we got enough up here. If you raised your hand just now and said, Pastor, I'm not sure of heaven. Here's what I want you to do. In just a moment, we're going to stand. And here's what I'd like you to do. Just as soon as we stand and I pray and say amen, I want you to come immediately. I want you to come. And we have somebody here in the altar that has a Bible. And we'd like to take the Bible and show you how you can know that you're going to heaven when you die, okay? So I want you to come. I don't want you to wait. I don't want you to wait. I want you to come. If you need somebody to come with you, that's fine. Just ask them, would you go with me? Would you go with me? They'll come. They'll go with you. But I want you to come while we wait. Now, wait a minute right before I pray. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I need a miracle. You didn't even know you were preaching to me, but you were preaching to me this morning. Pastor, I need a miracle. Preacher, there's some things going on in my life. And, oh, I, I, I need a word. I need God to do something. Then I want you to come as well. I want you to find your way to this altar. And I want you to do business with the Lord. It could be there's somebody here this morning who says, Preacher, I need to claim that mercy. I've done some things in the past. I'm deserving of judgment, but I need to claim. Oh, I need to claim the mercy of God. I want you to come. I want you to come. So very quietly, would you help us? Would you stand all over the house this morning, Father? We love you, and we thank you, Holy Spirit, for your working today. And God, you just reminded us, this is not about us. This is not about a preacher. This is not about a man. God, this is only what the Spirit of God can do. And so, Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that you're drawing people to yourself. 
it's evident you're working already. God, I pray in just a moment you'll give people courage and faith to come. And God, I pray that they'll find their way to the cross today. God, help that to happen. Oh, God. And I pray others will come. Lord, in in seeking their miracle, that message, that encouragement, maybe somebody needs to come today and rededicate their life back to Jesus, whatever it may be. Have thy way in this invitation, please, Lord. And we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you raised your hand this morning, said, Pastor, I'm not sure of heaven. I want you to come right now. Folks are already in the altars. I want you to come. Would you come? Would you come? If God's dealing with your heart right now, come on, let go. Let go. Let God have his way. Just come on right now. You say, Pastor, that aisle seems about three miles long. I got you. Just ask somebody to come with you. Would you go? Come on, would you come while we wait? Would you come? Oh, listen, don't leave this place not knowing. Don't leave this place not knowing. Would you come while we wait? Folks are coming. How about you? How about you? Would you come? Folks are continuing to come. That's right. That's right. Oh, God, I thank thee for thy blessings. Lord, it's hard not to get emotional sometimes as we see the the working of the Holy Spirit. God, may we never get used to that. Oh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you do your perfect work this morning. God, I pray you're changing hearts, changing lives right now. I pray that you're putting people on a new path. God, encourage that one that feels like they're at the bottom. God, recall that child that's wandered away. And God, put them back in a place of service again. Holy Spirit, continue to work, please, right now, please. And we sure thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, just for a few